Would the Dallas Cowboys pick Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa, if he was there at pick number 24? All that and more on this episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast. You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily Dallas Cowboys podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I am Marcus Mosier. You can follow me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And today I am joined by Landon McCool. As always, you can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, let's uh, let's start with this. I've been looking at some of the recent draft rankings from the biggest draft uh, media members out there. Tyler Linderbaum is falling. I remember earlier in the draft process, he was a top 10 player for most people. Now he's not even a top 16 player for most teams, for most draft uh, media members. If he were there for the Cowboys at 24, do you think this is an automatic run to the podium type of pick for Dallas? I don't know anymore. You know, I, I think I think value-wise in the player, I, I, I mean, I think I would love to have him, but, you know, there's – you know, the conversation around Linderbaum is not about his talent. It's not about uh, his ability to play the position. It's about his size and about where he fits in, in certain offices, uh, specifically in what kind of certain run games you're running. Mm-hmm. And the, they, you know, people keep coming back to the idea that he's kind of a zone scheme center only. Um, and if that's the case, and if teams really view him that way, uh, you know, the Cowboys maybe at one point kind of considered them to themselves to be a, a zone team only, but they have so much variety now in their run game. And frankly, the, some of the best games that they had running the football were, were when they were using, they were relying on the kind of versatility of the run game to run, you know, the, the kind of uh, constraints against the zone yeah. and, and running yeah. some power and some man. So my, my answer is, you know, I, I think that the Cowboys a few years ago definitely could have said, Hey, this is a guy that we can take. This is a guy that will fit our system. We'll run a bunch of zone. He'll be perfect for that. Now that they are doing a little bit more of a variety of stuff, I don't know if that is something that they're willing to kind of give up on to make it work for a kind of undersized center. I'm not discounting that I would want him. I just yeah. think that it's something that they, the Cowboys need to consider more than they probably had in the past since they're kind of varying up their run game a little bit. All right, there's so many different directions that we can take. Let's, let's first start with this. They've really been going, I don't want to say away, but they've been using less zone stuff since Callahan left and was that 2014 after the 2015 season, right? Yeah. Around that range. Right. That's right. Uh, they're, they're really a multiple style rushing attack. And if that's the case, maybe Tyler Linderbaum isn't an option because he's only 290 pounds, 295 pounds. Uh, can you get away with him being your starting center if you do plan on being multiple? 
I, I think it becomes a little bit more difficult just because of the, the kind of tasks that you're asking Linderbaum to do. I mean, you're not just asking him to, you know, snap, get off a double team, and then get yeah. to the second level and take on a linebacker, which is something that, you know, you kind of want an undersized linebacker, uh, lineman for, right? To kind of assist a guard, get off, and then be athletic enough uh, to kind of get to the second level and, and cause havoc around guys who are much more athletic than you. Uh, you know, the issue comes in when you're asking him to, you know, deal with a nose tackle one-on-one. You're asking him to kind of yes. come around on like a, on a, in a power situation and, and take on a, a defensive lineman on the edge. Do you worry about that in this division though? Because they don't really have nose tackles in the NFC East, right? They don't have nose tackles, but they do have big, strong defensive tackles right. all throughout the NFC. I so mean, between Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen and Fletcher Cox, and I, I mean, I guess Dexter Lawrence is a true nose tackle, but I don't really know how the Giants plan on using him going forward. But you're right; they they have some powerful defensive tackles in this class and the division. And, it, and it's one of those things where it's like even if they don't necessarily deploy it all the time, I mean, if it's a problem for Linderbaum. I mean, look out for it. It would yeah. definitely be something that you would see more of an uptick of. And all of this is is kind of playing to the assumption that Linderbaum can't handle that. And I don't even know that that's necessarily true. You know, I just think yeah. we're talking about draft stock. So we're not talking about necessarily what the player can and can't do. We're talking about what the perception of what the player can and cannot do is. So that's why you're seeing a lot of these boards with Linderbaum kind of falling down and down is because – they're looking at this guy. They're making the assumption, hey, this guy can't handle nose tackles. He can't necessarily handle a power run game situation as yeah. well as he can handle his own. And then they're looking at their list of teams. They're like, well, how many teams still run full zone blocking? Schemes? Seven? So, yeah, Eight and, at uh, most? That greatly decreases the number of, of, of bites yeah. at the at the, at the, at the, the I don't know what the analogy was for. Yeah. The bites of the apple. There you go. <laughs> uh, that, that, that this player is going to get. And so when you start doing that, you start lining him up and, and you're like, well, he's not going to get picked here. He's not going to get picked here. This guy's too high. This guy's too low. Then, then, it, then, you know, you start to look at his draft stock and it starts to fall because he just doesn't have the opportunity to be drafted uh, by as many teams as say a, you know, a, a, a athletic offensive tackle, sure. you know, that's kind of scheme agnostic. It, it's, it's, very particular teams that may be looking out for Linderbaum. Now, the reality of that may be that it's not that none of this is true, and we're all just projecting this on on him. Right, right. But right. that's what we're looking at when we see the stock is that these guys are talking to teams and they're seeing how they feel about someone like Linderbaum. And a lot of these teams are probably just like, you know what, he's we're going to let other teams draft him because we're just concerned about whether he's a good fit right. for our offensive system. And then there comes a conversation like how do you value a center anyways, right? If I'm talking about pure center, because there's been other yeah. centers that have come out that had kind of the position flex to play guard or center. That's just probably not the case for Linderbaum, right? I mean, he's going to be a center his entire career. I really don't see him playing another position. So even if he was a clean quote unquote, clean center prospect, is that even worthy of a top 20 pick in the NFL? I don't know. It's a fascinating conversation, honestly. I mean, just because he's such a scheme-specific center, which yeah. is kind of a very oddly valued position, depending on you know scheme and how you use your center. So it, it's 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 an interesting test case in um, in draft value, right? Because it's it's a, a very uh, niche situation. It, it, it's an undersized yep. center, uh, and and again. Center probably being one of the more wildly uh, uh, 
valued positions and, and, and you know you probably talk to 12 different teams and they're going to give you 12 different answers of where they value them in the hierarchy of position groups and and i and i and again like he's incredibly good so like the, so like his tape is incredible to the point mm-hmm. where literally the only downside you're hearing for most folks is that he's undersized so uh it's i think it's a t- fascinating test case in in exactly how the process kind of goes with these sort of players who are you know, very, very talented if put into the right position. Uh, but, you know, the question is, is how many teams can provide the correct position to make this guy kind of thrive? And I even think about like Creed Humphrey last year, who tested as like an all-time great athlete, uh, you know, at the center position, I believe a perfect 10 and the relative athletic score. Not, yeah, that's right. Went to the senior bowl and dominated, right? Maybe the best offensive lineman there had four years of tape at Oklahoma and he still went at the end of the second round, right? And yeah. he had great size too. So size wasn't an issue. I mean, he checked all the boxes. He That's checked the every thing about box. It. Yeah. Like if, if Creed Humphreys is going at the bottom of the second round, then, you know, what are we doing? And, and honestly, like, I don't think that we should, you know, we sh- I don't know that we should look at the mistakes done made by teams drafting overall and, and, and view them as, uh, uh, certainty for value of, mm-hmm. of, of the position. Because I, I think a lot of teams probably, like we do, look at that situation and said, Creed Humphrey shouldn't have fallen to the second yeah. round or, or to yeah. the bottom of the second round. Like So I, I wonder if there aren't some, some teams that are kind of going to compensate the other way because they felt like what That's happened with Creed Humphrey was just not, not correct. All right, really quickly. Here's the, all the centers to go in the first round over the last couple of years. Cesar Ruiz yeah. uh, from Michigan, pick number 24. Garrett Bradbury, pick 18 uh, to the Vikings in 2019. Frank Ragnow, center for the Lions, pick 20. Billy Price, center for the Bengals, pick 21. That was a bad pick. Uh, Ryan Kelly for the Colts at pick 18. Uh, Then you had Travis Frederick at pick 31. Marquise Pouncey at pick 18. Alex Mack at pick 21. Eric Wood, pick 28. Nick Mangle, pick 29. And Jeff Fain at pick 21. That is every center draft in the first round since 1999 and that's not a terrible list i mean no you know, like the hit rate it, is it, good the hit rate is good like that's the thing about it right is that like i mean uh, all of those situations except for maybe billy price and i mean i can't really I mean, that's really yeah i mean but you're terrible yeah but you're looking at none of those guys not a single yeah. one was drafted inside the top 17 picks yeah. So, I mean, maybe the bottom half of the first, the bottom quarter of the, of the first round is kind of what you're looking for, 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 uh, you know, a, a surefire center. Sure. And if that's the case, I mean, you know, I, look, if he's, if Garrett Bradbury is able to get drafted by the Vikings in the first round and, and, you know, he wasn't, he didn't light the world on fire, but he was a very, very, he's a very good player for them. It, it was a fit. I think this is comparable to him. I think he's yeah. a better player than, than Bradbury is. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. Um, Bradbury also went to that Kubiak scheme, right? Exactly. Of, I mean, it, Bradbury is the best comparison because Bradbury is, you know, went to the Kubiak scheme, played in the zones blocking scheme. Like, that's why I think it's that's a very good comparison, I, except for the fact that I think he's better than Bradbury. The other difference is there's a 16 pound weight difference between Bradbury and Linderbaum. And Bradbury was considered undersized yes. 30th percentile for centers in weight. He certainly so we'll was. I mean, it's well, it's 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 certainly he's certainly undersized. There's no way around that. And I I think the the size is going to scare a lot of teams. In fact, if I had to bet right now, and if Bet Online was offering odds right now, I probably would bet that he's available for the Cowboys right now at pick twenty four. It's just 
do they take him? Honestly, my gut says no because of a couple things. Like I think they want to be able to be more multiple, as you mentioned. And Jerry Jones has talked about like, hey, we can't have first round picks on every single spot in the offensive line. It just yeah. doesn't make sense, right? Like we're eventually going to have to develop some of these guys. I mean, we're going to talk about a mock here in a little bit where the Cowboys have a chance to take a round one offensive lineman. But at some point, Landon, they, they've got to develop non-first round offensive linemen, correct? Yeah, for sure. And and I and I and I think that the other thing too is that you know, again, whenever we have these conversations, you're kind of having it in a vacuum like, oh, if if he's there at 24, do you take him? Well, who else is there at 24? Yeah. Well, let's uh, that's going to make a big big huge difference too. Yeah, let's save that because I want to talk about that in a little bit in, in, uh, in just a second. But uh before we get to that, I want to tell you guys about Built Bar. This time of year almost everybody has given up on their New Year's resolutions. But not us this year because we are eating healthier thanks to Built Bar. Uh, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. And they only contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, but 17 grams of protein. Compare that to your favorite candy bar, which has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. There's also so many great flavors of Built Bars, including mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. Uh, I like the coconut brownie chunk. And the new flavor this month is white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and they have new flavors coming out all the time. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your next order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, it is a Mock Draft Monday, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But I I have to ask you a question. So I was reading an article this morning from DallasCowboys.com about the Cowboys' need for a fullback. Uh, Some of the writers over there believe that in order for the Cowboys to get back on track as a run team, they need to have a fullback. And they presented the argument uh, back in 2012 and 2013. They had Tony Fiametta. Uh, They've always had, you know, back in the 90s, they had Daryl Johnston. Uh, This is a team that didn't really have a fullback last year. Do you think that's what the Cowboys need to get back on track uh, in the run game? Well, let's let's first say that I mean, first of all, uh, even back when Tony Fia met, I mean, the man really pulling, really pulling it back. Like, I mean, I mean he was good. Bring, I like Tony Fia Meta. I know, I no problem with Tony Fia Meta. Just, I mean, calling the way back machine. I mean, why not bring up Cricket Anderson while you're at it? I oh, mean, that's a good one. Uh, well, I think Richie you know, Anderson was always my favorite fullback. Uh, but Richie he, Anderson, again, see, this is this is the conversation we need to have, yeah. right? Like the, the problem is is that Daryl Johnson is not the same fullback as Tony Fiametta. Like, you know, these are all very vastly <laughs> different players. They are, they are. And, and and I think that that's the other thing is that even when Tony Fiametta was the fullback, the Cowboys didn't use him very much. It wasn't like they 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 you know availed themselves and Tony Fiametta was just laying down tracks for for uh you know I don't even remember who the running back was at that point. It was probably uh, uh, Fiametta was Marco Murray. Yeah. So you know, I think that uh, it's it's one of those things where I don't think it's like the necessary missing piece for why the run game uh, uh, you know wasn't working. There's definitely huge swaths of time where the Cowboys' run game was just fine without a fullback. Having said all that. I think that there is incredible value if you can find a versatile guy who can give you that, those kind of looks, that you can run those kind of plays, and then also can give you value as a pass receiver, as a guy who can carry the football, as just kind of a jack-of-all-trade to kind of help mess with defenses uh, formationally when you when you line them up. Um, look, I, I mean, I think that they should, you know, 
I think that they should be looking into more two-back sets in general. I don't know if that means necessarily a fullback. I don't know if that means an uptick in using uh, Zeke and Pollard on the field at the same time and kind of using Zeke more as a super back, right? Like as a kind of a, a transitional fullback, got move around guy who can do some stuff. But I think that there is value in the offense overall using more two-back sets uh, because I think the, of the personnel uh, that you can kind of get aligned that way. So uh, I don't know that you necessarily need to bring back the 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 kind of bruiser, you know, uh, guy who's going to clear out a defensive end. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, honestly, I was excited and I, I still am excited to see what someone like Seo Alana Lua is going to do. You know, a guy who is a very good athlete, who if he can develop some blocking skills and is also a threat himself with his hands in the football. So uh, I, I think that that position, I obviously have strong beliefs in that position, and I think it's important for for what, what the Cowboys want to do. Uh, but I don't think it's like necessarily a prerequisite to getting the running game back back on track. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that fullback is really just a tight end that's a little bit undersized or oversized. You right, the the sawed off tight end, right? They probably need somebody like that that can play in the backfield and can be an H back and can do all that kind of stuff. And I mean, they they just didn't have that guy on the roster. You know how much uh, how much I love Sean McEwen. He isn't it. Jeremy Sprinkle is not athletic enough to do that kind of stuff anymore, right? Those guys are all tight ends. I mean, you you can line them up in the backfield. It's just not the same, though, you know? They need a guy that can go in there and dig out a linebacker. But, again, that's not my biggest issue with the run game. It's just Mm -hmm. they didn't block well. And I don't think suddenly adding pick whatever fullback you want from any team is suddenly going to make the rushing attack better. I just think they need to be more creative, and they just have got to block better. It's really that simple. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, they, they, I think even the Cowboys guys mentioned Kyle Juszczyk as a, as a reason that the 49ers run game was, was working. Guys, I mean, that's not why the 49ers run game was working. You know, I mean, it was a very well designed and very well executed scheme. Uh, I don't think the presence of Kyle Juszczyk, who didn't even play a ton of snaps necessarily for them all the time. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, and I'm as big a fullback believer as there is, trust me. But I think that, that if anything, we need to stop limiting that position to only that role. And, and I mean, you need somebody who can do that kind of thing, but then at the same time, you need somebody who can also flare out and catch a pass on a wheel route, who can, you know, run a Texas route, who can take the ball and pick up a fourth and short if you need him to, I, I think, and then play a bunch of special teams. That yep. That's the kind of position I'm looking for, for a fullback, a special teams ace who can be kind of a Cedric Wilson in the backfield, if you will. Uh, when you need them to kind of just do a, fill in a bunch of different roles as a tight end, as a running back, as a fullback. I've got a running back for you, or excuse me, a fullback you need to watch in this year's class that might be able to do that. Seriously, there's one in this class, Connor Hayward from Michigan okay. State. Uh, it's actually okay. Cam Hayward's little brother. Uh, okay. If you watch the game against Michigan, uh, and I know you've been watching that for a different show that we're going to do later this week. Mm-hmm. He has a heck of a game in that one, digging out the Michigan linebackers. I think you'll like him quite a bit. So there's a homework assignment for any of you uh, fullback fans out there. Connor Hayward at Michigan State. I think you'll like him quite a bit. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we only get a ton of these guys. We get maybe one of these guys in every draft. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. 
listen, they're hard. Or you got to build your own, ba- you know, based yeah. on parts from other from him playing another spot. Yeah, it's like this might it's sound like blasphemous, but it's harder to find a good fullback than a franchise quarterback. There's just more franchise quarterbacks out there than fullbacks. Well, every, everyone wants to play quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> fullback uh, is a position. Well, there's a little bit more money to involved you, in that usually. position too, right? Yeah, that's probably so. Uh, all right, one more quick break to tell you guys about Bet Online. Football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all of the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next coach fired is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, Mock Draft Monday here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And this mock comes to us from our good friend Eric Crocker uh, at the Lockdown NFL Draft and Lockdown 49ers. So I'm going to give you the, the guys that were available for the Cowboys here at Pick 24. The names oh include linebacker Kobe Dean, Offensive lineman Zion Johnson, wide receiver Drake London uh, from USC, wide receiver Chris Olave from Ohio State, and Kenyon Green from Texas A&M. So that's the short that's list who's of available. Guys. Okay, that's who is available. Of those guys, who would you have liked to see in the Cowboys pick? I'll read them again: uh, yeah. Zion Johnson, Kenyon mm-hmm. Green, Nicobe mm-hmm. Dean, Chris Olave, Drake London. Probably uh, green, I think. Um, I think it also depends on where you know <laughs> where we go in the offseason. Because if we get rid of uh, Cooper, then Alave definitely sounds like a good pick for me there. Um, yeah, I like Zion Johnson a lot as well. I just think that green probably adds a little bit more versatility there. To probably that's where I would go. And that's where Eric had the Cowboys picking, and it makes sense, right? The Cowboys traditionally like to draft college tackles. Moving inside the guard. They did it with Connor Williams. They did it with Zach Martin. Uh, Green has experience playing guard. He, that's really his best position. But you do like the guy that can play left tackle against Alabama like he did and play a really good game. I, it, it makes the most sense to me. Again, is it worth drafting a guard in the first round? I think that's a conversation we can have. Obviously, the Zach Martin p- pick you know, worked out really well. But if Green ends up just being in, let's say, above average starter, is that still a good first round pick? You know, I mean, how many of these other guys are going to be more than a, a better than average starter? Well, you know, it, like, that's a good question. It's just if you could find an above average starter at wide receiver or defensive tackle or defensive end, is that more valuable than a left guard? I don't necessarily know. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. How how much should we value the left guard position if you're not getting an elite elite starter? Well, I think you're t- if you're talking about 24, I think it's it's I think you're picking the best player. You know, I mean, I, I understand positional value, but I, I think at that point you're just trying to like, you know, hit a double and hope for a home run. And I, I think you could swing big if you want, and, and positional value still does matter there for sure. Um, but I also think that you're getting a better guard at 24 than you are a defensive end at 24 because the guys will like the, you know, the value of the, the guys push them up to up high and the good ones get picked early. So 
I think that's that's kind of where I was at is and, and that's kind of where the Cowboys have been in the past, right? Is that they'd rather pick the best guard than like the third defensive end, or you know what I'm saying? So that's kind of been a, a way that they've drafted and it's and it's gotten them, you know, it's done well for them. They've 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 hit a lot of their first round picks kind of following that idea. Does it make you nervous that the history of drafting guards in the end of the first round is a little bit suspect? So here's the list of guards drafted from pick 20 and beyond over the last three decades. It's Joshua Garnett for the 49ers, Jermaine Effetti, Lincoln Tomlinson, Kevin Zeitler, Danny Watkins, David DeCastro. That's a hit. That's an all-pro guard. Uh, Davin Joseph, Ben Grubbs, Kendall Simmons, Mo Collins. You know, I mean, you're – it's a it's a it's a crapshoot at, at the bottom of the first round, anyways. You know, I, I think I think honestly, you have to take it at the as individual uh, you know level. Like you have to see is this guy feel like you know he's going to be a good fit for our offense? Does he feel like he's going to develop? I mean, you it, look, you can always look back at the history and then either take solace or or be afraid of what you know the previous year's picks at that position have been you know, they don't always have a very good, you know, correlation to how the, the rest of the players are going to be necessarily. I, I don't care about this one because it just so depends on the player. Like, yeah, I, I didn't love Joshua and Garden. I didn't think he was a first round player when he got drafted. They, 49ers reached on him. It's not a surprise that he didn't turn out right. Like, so, it, but we love, I remember the, I remember the 2012 draft and uh, Cowboys Twitter in general, Love David DeCastro, right? Yeah, he goes to Pittsburgh and he turns out to be everything that we thought. So, I, but but he wasn't great at first, like you know what I'm saying. So, he I mean, he struggled, he, he, he struggled yeah. a little bit early on. So, well, and I know, think that should also go into the expectations. Like, if the Cowboys do draft Kenyon yeah. Green, you can't expect him to be as good as Tyrod Smith and Zach Martin right away, and he's not going to yeah. solve all their offensive line issues, right? Yeah, and I mean, look, I think. You know, the cow, we need to be patient in general with some of these guys, right? If, you, if you're looking for someone to come in and, and be, you know, solid starter plus uh, right away, then go out and get someone in free agency. Yeah. Because, well. like, you know, honestly, like, we just look at what happened with Connor Williams. I mean, exactly. I thought Connor Williams had a very good and steady d- development in phase, and Cowboys fans couldn't handle, like, I still think you know, he is like how he played, right? Yeah. And so, I, I, you know, if, if, if it's the case that you, that we just can't wait, you know, on, on like a plug and play, I mean, I think he could be a plug and play starter, but if you're looking for a fully formed guy or a guy that's playing on the level of the rest of these offensive linemen, then you probably need to go the veteran free agent route. You know, I it's, agree. it's just the, the truth of the matter. So, uh, you know, I think, I think with, with, with offensive linemen, it's it's difficult. It's a it's a difficult transition, even at guard, because things happen really fast in, inside, and especially in the NFL. So, uh, you're playing with a different level of athlete in, in, in the NFL at, at defensive tackle than you are at college. I could go on and rant about this, but I really believe in a lot of ways. Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, and Travis Frederick were some of the worst things that happened to Cowboys fans, right? Yeah, because they I mean, believe that yeah. every first round offensive lineman that you pick should be an All Pro right away. Like they should yeah. instantly come in and be among the top five or six of their positions. And it doesn't work that way. Most teams would love to have Connor Williams career. Like if they draft a second round guard, love it. That's exactly what we were hoping for. It might maybe even been better, but because the Cowboy fans and Cowboys front office have such high expectations for their offensive linemen, anything less than a pro bowl player 
as a miss. And that's just not the way that we should really view these guys, right? The Doug Free syndrome, as I oh uh, entitled it. Yeah. Honestly, Doug, the Doug Free syndrome is something that the Cowboys fans in general just need to get rid of. It's it's this idea that a very good offensive lineman isn't good enough. You know, that they need yeah. to be like all pro in order to be not replacement worthy. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, the year after you get rid of Doug Free, you really, really miss him. You really, really realize how good he was and what he was doing for this team. And I, and I think that's, you know, kind I agree. of a good example. And I'll even go a little bit more extreme. Like the Cowboys drafted Chaz Green in 2015 in the third round, at the end of the third round. That's what a lot of third and fourth round offensive linemen look like in the NFL. Right yeah. now there's teams that do a better job of scheming around bad offensive linemen. The Cowboys did not, but look at Chess Green still in the NFL today. Yeah, He's still exactly. sporting for teams because there's, there's just not enough quality offensive linemen. So a Cowboy fans think Chess Green's one of the worst offensive linemen in their history is kind of just how what many, you expect at that point. How many six foot five, 300 plus pound athletes, athletes are there in the world? Many. You know, it's, there's only there's only around. so many. So these guys that have any kind of experience that can even look even somewhat like you know professional football players, they get chance after chance after chance because there just aren't very many human beings that can do what these guys do. And I I know people are screaming, yeah, well, isn't that why you draft those guys in the first round if there's just not that many? Valid counterpoint, I guess, right? But it's also yeah, well, it, it, it's also not. I mean, if, if it was that clear and cut and dry. It, that they would have success. And that's the other thing is that you're watching them play yep. almost a different game in the college level. Yep. So trying to project them to the next level against people that are exponentially better athletes, especially again, especially inside to oh my, my gosh, mind, yeah. because the defensive yeah. tackles especially are just a different animal than they are in college. And you can tell that by the fact that look at what's coming out of college. You only have one or two first round def- interior defensive linemen that are going in the last four or five years, uh, but but those guys are so rare and so different, and that's the kind of guy that you're facing every single week. You're facing one of those guys yep. almost every single week, so it's incredibly difficult. So if the Cowboys do – getting back to this mock draft, if they select yeah. Kenyon Green in the first round, you'd be happy with it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I think it's he's a good choice. I like the flexibility. You know, that's he's a Texas kid. He's played tackle. He's played guard. He can give you some versatility if you need to. I like, like that. Double, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, it feels like a solid making contact with the ball, not screwing it up on the but first round. At pick twenty four, and maybe not the strongest draft. Why not? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I just just get just get a solid pick because you you know there's just not a, a ton of great choice out sure. there. So just pick something solid. Go be more aggressive on day two and day three. Get a guy that you can plug and play and start in your butt. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Tomorrow we'll do your questions as always. Make sure you send them in to us. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys on Twitter. You can download the podcast wherever you can get your podcasts. Uh, You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB. I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. We'll see you guys next time.